This is the Married to a Startup podcast. Each episode, we invite an entrepreneur and their spouse to share the realities of raising a family while building a business. Each couple has a unique story to tell about leveraging each other's strengths to build awesome things. Join us as we learn from their experiences. The three of us moved, me, Rye, our business partner, my one of my closest and best buddies, and we lived together in, in an, an apartment. apartment. Yeah, all of us. So imagine being a newlywed. <laughs> you're still figuring each other out, and it was like, <laughs> you know, the bachelor this. living with us. On this episode, the Crum and Hoax talk about the shift from planning to become a doctor to dropping out of school and moving to Detroit to start a business together. Hello and welcome to the Married to a Startup podcast. We're excited to have Sid and Ryan Cromenhoek with us today. And we're just going to, as usual, jump right in. And so, Sid, again, I'm trying to follow what I've been asked by our listeners. They want to know what you do for business before I start asking personal questions. Yeah, sure. So I've I've been an entrepreneur ever since kind of college. and um, But most recently, after selling my last company, moved to the other side of the table, and I'm now a venture capitalist. And I've been so for four years. So with every day, I'm a step removed from actual kind of pure entrepreneurship, but draw on all those experiences for what I do now and backing great founders. And I have heard that you like to be pretty involved as uh, as a venture capitalist. Yeah, I think it just harkens to the excitement, thrills, and of course the challenge of of being an operator, you know, you get so used to being in the mix that you hope there are chances when you can, even if it's a little bit vicariously, but of course, um, actually get your fingernails dirty, uh, work with founders and founding teams to help them as they're chasing their dreams. Awesome. Ryan, I want to hear, I have a lot of questions for you <laughs> because I've heard a lot of the uh, Sid stories from previous interviews, and so I've been really excited to get to know you a little bit better. So tell me about who you are. Where did you grow up? What do you like to do? So I was born in San Antonio, Texas. Nice. Lived there basically till I was 15. Um, went to an all-girls Catholic school, wore uniforms, and then we moved to Georgia for a year. Then I graduated high school in Alabama. So always lived in the South and came out to Utah for school, um, went to Brigham Young University. And what do I like to do? I, um, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> what did you study in school? I studied linguistics. Okay. Wow. Ryan is very talented, to be clear. Ryan, like anything, <laughs> fixing anything in the home, anything beautiful and creative, she did. I'm a hands-on person. So All the power tools she owns. Yeah. Lots of nice. projects. I'm taking woodworking classes right now um, at UVU. And had a sewing blog at one time. I don't know. Lots of random stuff. But always very hands-on. Yeah. I've seen some remodel work that you've done on Instagram and it's really fun to watch and it looks like a huge project. So have you been kind of running that project? Not completely. Like Sid and I are both really involved and we have the same style, which works out really nicely. Yes. And so, I mean, we're both like at night looking at handles, you know, fixtures. We do all that together. But when it comes to assembling, stuff like all the stuff that comes from ikea yeah. our whole closet 
Um, that is me. And that is why, like, I have purple bruises underneath my fingernails from missing with a hammer. Um, Sid, tell me how, so I'm going to ask you, how are you and Ryan similar? And then I'm going to ask Ryan how you're different. Yeah. How are we similar? Um, I think we have some similar life experiences that have really shaped who we are. Um, and, uh, I mean, specifically we both lost brothers, um, in our, and, and it's like created, I think something this almost sacred bond of, um, an appreciation for, uh, suffering, uh, is, is kind of strange as that might sound. Uh, so some things to us are just Trump all else. Um, the strength of our family narrative, um, investing our time in tradition and rituals that strengthen that family narrative is I think our biggest common trait. And maybe that's kind of a universal, a human thing, but, but for us, it's like, if you ask us about, what we get really excited about, it's like cousin camp that we put on every year. Like we love those things. Um, we love tag teaming a project. Um, the home is what you mentioned. It is, has been a little bit longer than we'd hoped. We're going on like <laughs> nine months and Ryan is the one at home hearing the hammers pound and machines going and strangers walking through the home painting and spackling and building and breaking. So, but still we, that's I think the biggest commonality is we like to build and we like to team up on a project, whether that's the little kiddos in the home or the extended family or something like a house remodel. That's a great answer. Doug asked me before we started, he said, what would you say if I asked you, what, what do you and Doug have in common? And I said, I'd, I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> we don't have a lot in common. <laughs> We do like each other. But we, we have that in common. We probably have, yeah, we probably have a few years on you too in terms of time together. <laughs> Part of it's building your own story together, right? Uh -huh. so, yeah, totally. Yeah. Ryan, what's different about you? Um, let's see. Well, Sid is a true extrovert. I mean, in every sense of the word, even when he's traveling, he does not want to sit in a hotel room at night. Like I would. If I was in a hotel room by myself, like that sounds like a dream come true. I'm like, <laughs> bring me in some chocolates. I want a magazine. I don't want to see or talk to anybody. Uh -huh. Sid is asking if anybody else in his travel team, if any other of the other guys want to share the room, first of all, and he usually does, <laughs> doesn't even have his own room. And then if he is on his own, he's going to the mall and I'm getting constant phone calls like, what size of pants? Do the kids need how many you know pairs of shoes should i bring home he he hits the pavement and he's out and he's talking to people he really yeah. recharges by being with people and i am the opposite <laughs> you would enjoy just i need some, nice... some quiet i need some peace um so i think that's the biggest way that we are I different so. yeah but in most other ways we are quite similar yeah. Have you always thought that way since you met? Oh, that's a good question. I think so. I would say it's, you kind of grow into each other. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, yeah. our, our differences were, our strengths, I would say, were more pronounced. Maybe our weaknesses were more pronounced when, when we were first married. And, and so we've, 
um, I've I've probably tempered some of that extroversion in me and, and just um, the airs of commission and, and Ryan's probably um, I would say you can I don't want to put words in your mouth but <laughs> you 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 reach out of yourself more and and uh, um, you know if you're air, your hers were probably airs of omission and mine were airs of commission like I'm I say too much and sometimes Ryan, it used to be it's like too little. she was just mm-hmm. quiet. I'm like, say something. <laughs> like, come on, say something. <laughs> when we were first married, that is very true. We did not fight well. And that is something yeah. that we have learned. And when some conflict would come up, I would shut down and I'd be quiet. Even if it wasn't something big, I didn't know how to talk through it. And so that's something that we've learned together. Yeah is how to communicate through those rough times and that I can't just close off. Um, Sid's really taught me how to communicate um, much more. And then I've probably helped him learn how to breathe for a second and (laughs) step back and look at it. So we've met in the middle and found good ways to resolve, you know, whatever conflicts or rough edges come up. Yeah. So, so Ryan, what role uh, have you played in Sid's career from the early stages, and w- how's that transformed over time? Well, our very first business, we were business partners. Okay. I had been a loan officer in college. That's how I paid for college. And Sid and I were dating. This opportunity came up to start a real estate company, mm-hmm. a marketing branch for a real estate company in Detroit. And so I was the first one who jumped in and started it while Sid was working full-time elsewhere and then our third partner. And so we we were engaged, but we had already started a business together. And as soon as we were married, I guess, what, four months after we were married, we moved to Detroit. Okay. The three of us moved. Me, Rye, our business partner, one of my closest and best buddies, and we lived together in, in an, an apartment. apartment. Yeah, all of us. So imagine being a newlywed. You're still figuring each other out. And it was like, and you know, the this. bachelor living with us. And it was like, it was great. Yeah. That was brave of you. <laughs> well, we couldn't afford anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so were you really business-minded, Ryan? Was this something that Sid and his partner were coming up with and you liked Sid and you wanted to be a part of it? Or... Would you have started your own business if you hadn't met Sid? No, I think to a large extent it was because Sid had this idea. And the plan was to um, put together some savings to go to medical school. Mm. Um, that was <laughs> that the initial well. yeah. plan. In fact, when we were engaged, um, because I'm from Alabama, Sid had never met my parents and was just calling them to say, hey, we're getting married. <laughs> And I did ask your dad's permission. Yes. yes. Yeah. So this is that phone call. And <laughs> yes. it was like 45 minutes long of Sid laying out his whole Life financial plan. goals, how he was going to take care of me, how he's going to be this doctor. He was volunteering at the ER at the time. Mm-hmm. So he was on track for that. But um, I don't I would not have started that particular business if if said and this opportunity came up. Yeah, I would say Ryan isn't by nature whatever, you know, business minded, but she is customer centric. Like mm-hmm. if you think of 
giving delivering a good experience through your product service um, and how you engage with your customer like that that's Ryan I would say in spades so um, her natural abilities you know we were the ones maybe thinking of what business can we start the yeah. irony is sometimes that frenzy to start a business and lacking something as simple as you know being able to nail your product and your customer um, is harder so we it was a it was a good combination the three oh. of us I remember being on the road and Colin Ryan this is before like you had mapping um, apps on your phone yeah. so she had Microsoft streets and trips on the home computer and I'm like <laughs> okay what road do I turn on she's like okay you're gonna take a ride on Big Beaver Road and it was like you know navigating um, the roads of, of Detroit which yeah. now we like know back I mean I could still you plot me in Detroit and tell me where you want to go and I'll get you there yeah. Well, in fact, we set up such a great business model where I became like, uh, I don't know, the home office center, right? Uh -huh. So I took all the incoming calls. I handled all of our accounts. Um, Sid and our other partner, Brad, were pounding the pavement. And it worked so well that the company decided to adopt that for everyone. And so they flew me back to Utah to go and train all the people that they had hired to be these account managers. And mm -hmm. I trained myself right out of a job <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was your own startup or this was a business that you were running kind of as a franchise that's how you could put it so okay. we we had we took on account executive roles but then we, we built our own kind of marketing and sales team um, that that kind of rolled up all of the processing and delivering of our service rolled up to a, a larger entity so I would say it was our our own little you know business like we incorporated as our own entity we paid mm -hmm. our employees but we had a relationship um, so that really we were we were the sales marketing um, and then the the parent company was the fulfillment of that service so it was a it was a more of a lifestyle business this mm -hmm. was not a company you would raise venture capital for not a traditional mm -hmm. tech startup but um, but lack nothing in terms of teaching us you know opening and you know kind of a new territory figuring out your customers creating your value proposition working your tail off and, and eventually we we were fortunate and it was great for us and we actually both dropped out of college to do this yeah and our parents were really not excited yeah they remember were, i had like given the 10-year oh, yeah. plan of me being a doctor They're like well, yo, yo, well like, you're not finished <laughs> with your undergrad <laughs> and and it was ryan was a credit shy of her undergrad so it was also like not only semester. are you you know on a slow track to become a doctor but you're holding our daughter back from her education it was we had to, I mean, I think they trusted us, but it was, they were nervous. There was uncertainty. It was nerve. We were, they were nervous. Yeah. And we eventually did come back and finish two years later and we finished school and then we, you know, both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, why, what, why would you put in the, the effort to finish? I mean, I'll, I'll say one thing. I, even through that and then my next startup, which was a failure, and our next startup, which is a failure, and even our next startup, which worked out, <laughs> even in that process, I never was like, I'm a repeat entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I was like, no, I, I was a kid who had like a paper out when I grew up. I wasn't starting businesses. I just worked hard. And, um, and so even in this process, I never thought of myself as like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I still thought in my mind, I had this narrative I told myself that I was going to be a doctor. And that was kind of, maybe it's, my dad's an immigrant to this country, my mom's family's from Mexico. Maybe it's kind of just the story of second or third generation kids here where it's like you become a doctor or a lawyer and you kind of fulfill your parents' dreams of taking yeah. this very clear, clean <laughs> path to, to being productive and making you know good living to provide for your family. But I think it was like, 
only as success was kind of starting to happen with that, you know, our third startup that I kind of was like, well, I guess this is kind of who I am or what I can contribute to this world. Um, so, so going back to school was still continuing that narrative in my mm -hmm. head of like, you're going to, now you can pay for med school, kind of what we told ourselves. And eventually it was like, well, I guess med school's off the table because we're yeah. getting old. <laughs> <laughs> and after, you know, I had to quit because we, the company hired someone to take over all of the accounts. I started working for a French auto design company in Detroit doing HR and I was limited in what I could do because I didn't have a bachelor's degree. Hmm. And as we were hiring people, I was part of that process and their pay scale was directly influenced on how many years of schooling, what degrees they had. And so from a very traditional sense, I saw the value of, I just have to finish this next step. And I was so close, you know, I, I wanted to finish. Yeah. Was it hard to go back to, to school? after how many years out two well actually in some ways four um i'd taken two years off as well to serve um, a mission for our church and then gone home to alabama for a time before i came back so it was almost minus one tiny summer term i had been out of school for four years yeah and when we went back, we were still running our business. So we had an apartment in Provo, an apartment in Detroit, two weeks, of, you know, we were in Utah, two weeks going to school and then flew to Detroit for a week to manage the business. We had some employees on the ground, but it was like back and forth. So the, the, I would say what kind of defined that time was I never got more out of my schooling than then because I was trying to apply what I was learning. I was a business major, emphasis in entrepreneurship. BYU had so many people who had been practitioners, people who, who had been successful in business and were coming back. So, I mean, I was taking, even to this day, um, a lot of those friendships forged and mentors gained, like still influence how we think of things. So it was super valuable, but it was a little, it was fun, actually. We had our daughter, yeah. we would fly on a plane, we had our first kid, we're like flying back and <laughs> forth. You know, it was, there were memories. It was, it was kind of cool. It was different. It was just sort of all of a sudden our own little story together, which... Which I think was cool. Were you both excited about that phase? That sounds intense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I might be boring, but were you both excited about that phase? You have your daughter, you're two weeks, one place, one week, another. At the time, was it, did it feel like, yeah, this is the life? Like, what do you think, Ray? I think so. It was pretty exciting. I think it was just us, you know, and the baby. So, we felt very portable at mm -hmm. that point um, and, and, as a family. And it was, we were experiencing things we hadn't. I mean, the first time I flew on a plane, I was a junior in high school and it was paid by a scholarship program for kids. Like we, you know, we, as a kid going out to eat was like, I went to the dentist and they gave me a coupon for a Happy Meal and McDonald's. So it was, there was its own, like, kind of felt like, wow, we're, we're, we're becoming adults and we have some of our own means now and we're flying on plane. It was there was something about it that felt satisfying and just exciting, like simple things. You know, when we were starting this business was when Wendy's came out with their dollar menu. They were the first ones to have that, you know, before McDonald's. And so like that, like saved us because for three bucks we could pay for lunch. <laughs> Cause again, we had like so little. Um, so, and we didn't spend a dime. I mean, even our, even our, you know, all of our couches came from like dumpsters that Ryan would like sew up. We were just lean, but it was so much fun. And we had, we were saving something that would eventually become the, the, um, 
the little stash that we would draw from to try startups that eventually one of those worked out and we had our own seed capital. So, um, so that was like, that was satisfying. It was, it was like our family were building our little, you know, tucking away the nuts and, and, you know, ready to, to jump into them come winter time or whatever. <laughs> it felt, it felt cool. Is that right, right? Yeah. And we had friends in both places. So it was, oh, yeah. it was exciting too, to like go back and see our friends in Detroit. That was such a formative time for us, you know, as newlyweds living in Detroit for the first time, experiencing disparity in a new way that, I mean, I grew up in Alabama in the South. I'd seen a lot of things, you know, both of our families had their own financial struggles at different times. So we didn't see ourselves as naive and yet we went to Detroit and our eyes were opened to a lot of new things that we had never considered. And those friendships we made, I mean, we just a couple months ago did a little New York city trip with two couples. Both of them were couples friendships formed now 15 years ago in Detroit, you know, Mm -hmm. and we still, and they have, we have like kids grown up, some of them out (laughs) of the house and, and we're going back and we're enjoying three days and, you know, watching some Broadway plays. And, and those are like friends for life. And yeah, that's right. That was cool. We kind of could play these students and we loved that. You know, we didn't, yeah, we were just simple students when we were here and not that we were anything cool out there. I mean, we were nothing, but, <laughs> but it was, it was kind of these two fun lives or different experiences. Yeah. And everyone's excited to see you when you get back to Provo or Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't seen you in a week. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're kind of something novel to everyone. That's cool. That's quite a story. I'm impressed that you were both on the same page. And it seems like you came closer together in that experience because you were. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. That, moving away early in marriage and having a place where no families were around, it was like we just created our own story. I mean, I, I think that was super formative for us. So it sounds like uh, from a financial upbringing, you guys had similar experiences where there wasn't like a whole lot of extra to go around. And so coming together and getting married – Can you speak to um, how you managed your finances personally? And then also, did that just, was it like just an extension that uh, within the business, you you kind of like use those same ideas like, yeah, we we tuck away against a rainy day? Or was it just like, well, in the business context, we have to spend and at home, we just have to save? What, What can you speak to? Do you have any immediate thoughts, Ryer? Should I jump in? What do you think? I remember when we were first married, so we actually, we lived in, for those first four months before we moved to Detroit, we lived in a little studio apartment called the Mayor's Mansion, and it had one point been the Mayor's Mansion, Mm -hmm. and it was divided into all these tiny little apartments where there wasn't even room for a chair, so we sat on the radiator (laughs) to eat at our table. There was no counter, so we, you know, just put wood over the sink if we needed a counter, and... I remember my sister coming over and saying, like, gosh, man, you guys are really struggling. <laughs> and I thought, oh, we are? Like, really? I I mean, I thought it was great. We were so excited um, to just start our lives together. So I think we did start out super scrappy. And when we went to Detroit, that it stayed the same. In fact, we still had the same vacuum cleaner that we pulled out of a dumpster in Detroit until (laughs) we moved to China. And I pulled it out and it was broken and 
took it all apart, just figured out that the belt was broken. We bought a new belt for like $1.50, put it back together, and we use that thing for like 12 years. That's amazing. So I think it stayed the same a lot. I ran the finances for several of Sid's startups. I still do the bills, which is not my favorite thing um, <laughs> for our family. So I feel like it, it did kind of continue. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I mean, it, the things that come to mind as it relates to finances are uh, a, a dollar, a 99 cent junior bacon cheese. Mm. Nothing was sweeter then. And now I'm like, that's the grossest thing. Like, <laughs> like my taste has grown out of that. But the point is, you know, I, I believe aside from the kids that have come to us, we were never happier than when we, it was simple. The challenge now is actually like confusing the ability to have experiences, which we enjoy, which we have fun with, to be clear, you know, <laughs> or things, which there are things we enjoy, um, to not let those blur, you know, or keep us from like things that bring something deeper in, in terms of just happiness. Um, but, but yeah, a, a lot of those principles, we don't, we don't budget exactly, but, but we're not, I wouldn't say we're big. I don't know how to we're say not it. We're not spenders We're not big spenders. So. It's just, we, yeah, we grew up similar enough and, and our family still like it's, we're they're you know, middle-class great. Like the, you know, people that I want to be around my whole life. And so it, part of it is it's our identity. It's just who we are. And, and there's, we've had a little bit of fortune, but we're not naive enough to think that things couldn't change ever. And so, you know, we kind of try to keep, I think, a steady course in how we, how we approach money. But I think in every startup, I mean, we, the goal was to bootstrap as long as we could. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I have, we had partners who've always been like that to Mm -hmm. this day. My partner, yeah, we, we've always had pretty tight alignment in, in how we think about finances and resources. That's not to say that there were some times when everything hit the fan and, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, (laughs) there's no money to pay anybody anymore. Um, You know, those things happen too. Right. Tell me, so I've always, um, so I've always worried about that happening. Uh, Tell me how you experienced something like that together. Are you saying when... Ryan, if you could tell me... When they couldn't pay their employees? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. So... There was a time, you know, we had that first business. It, it, it created strong cash flow. Um, we, we socked a bunch away. We had, um, we had investment opportunities, and there were some. This was at the height of the real estate boom. We, mm-hmm. were, in an in, we were in that industry, so we started investing in real estate. Um, we were making great returns on our money, so we put more money there. I mean, we weren't spending money. We, we bought one piece of furniture, a love sack, $550 <laughs> love sack. And it was like, I can't believe we're paying this much. The only piece of furniture. We didn't buy anything else. Our cars were simple, everything. But we were investing meaningful for us amounts of money in real estate because we're like, well, let's just grow, right, and invest. And then things started to crash in our country. And all of a sudden, we were um, – oh, and we had taken out we, – we sort of said, we have our money, but let's let's like – do it with more money. And so we took some lines of credit. And all of a sudden, when that real estate crashed, I mean, we had, it, we, we lost property in Vegas, Hawaii, Michigan, Idaho, and I'm probably think, thinking of two other ones. We owned real estate right in these places and literally watched it go to nothing, but we had, we still had to foot the bills. So we watched all of our savings 
just dropping. And for us, again, meaningful amounts of money for us. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so the way we managed that, it was painful. This was at a time where, you know, we could have done things that others were doing and not no fault to them, but like declared bankruptcy things. Sure. But we just were like, no, like we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to be right with the banks and stuff. And so it was painful, but, but that feeling of being saddled in debt and overstretching, you know, our means or, or taking our means and leverage, using it to leverage more capital. It taught me something that today, you know, I think serves us well. Now we think of things and some of what um, we've built is this is kind of not ours anymore. We tuck it, you know, aside and, and we're not, uh, uh, we don't want to be greedy, you know, with, with, you know, eat returns and things. And we live in a state where sometimes there's overhyped opportunities. We're, we're, we're sort of like, you know, uh, we're cool with a moderate return on that type of stuff. We still take risk. We still sort of have, and Ryan, you know, we have pockets of capital where it's like, we're comfortable losing it all, but, but we approach things a little differently and we just have lived enough to see cycles. There are cycles in life. You know, we can talk about just personal strife, you know, in, in our families to cycles in financial markets and, and, and so it's made us a bit more aware moving forward. Is that fair, right? Yeah. I, I think I, mean, I can just remember having someone come and knock on the door, you know, it's like this big, strong guy with, you know, the thing around his neck and to service papers from one of the banks going, yeah. Oh my gosh, like we could lose the house. Yeah. Like we are on the verge of losing our house. But we paid off every scene. And we, when we paid off the last bank, it was like done. Like felt like <laughs> yeah. I crossed the finish line and, you know, won the marathon. You know, it felt yeah. so good. Yeah. So it was stressful, yeah. like high, high stress. But being together, you know, I also always felt like Sid is such a hard worker. You know, he could just go out and find any job. If, if we need to change things up, if we've got to find more income, um, I mean, even when we were, when we were, I don't know if we were engaged yet, maybe Sid was saving up to buy a ring for me and he was working full time, going to school full time. And then he'd go and donate plasma and did it to the point that he passed out one time and was not, you know, super healthy because he was doing it too much to just find any other source of income. Mm -hmm. So it's never anything that I've had to be afraid that like Sid wouldn't provide. Um, but still, I think it was a high level of stress and we just had to make sure that we were together on things and kept things going. Sid, is that your style to just go until you, you find the limit? Yeah, I think so. I think it's in good ways changing where I realize to some extent, you know, there are some hurdles I've, I've, I've leaped and I don't need to, to do those same things in terms yeah. of time away from family. And we have kids now, so I want to be at baseball games where I can. I'll still miss occasionally, but birthdays and anniversaries. And there was a time where there was a year I traveled 175 days that year. I was wow. on the road and that was hard. And, um, yeah, I think just at a young age, I kind of was like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I know I'm not the smartest or most talented um, in school or sports, but I'm just going to work twice as hard and see if I can make up the difference. 
So I know Chandler's going to make me re-listen to that portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of revisiting this. I remember what Sid said. <laughs> Doug may have come to bed recently in the last few days and said, so we should just go to the bank and get some more money and invest it, and then we'll have a return, and then we can pay it back super easy. So that was very timely. <laughs> Uh, in our relationship, I'd, I'd say that I'm 100% confident 100% of the time. And and then when I'm wrong, I'm still 100% confident 100% of the time. <laughs> so, and that's why we have spouses. That's, yeah. exactly it's also, right. there's a time in your life when, when, you, when I think those risks are, are you know, maybe more appropriate. And, and, yeah. and, it, and it, you learn something through them. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's different for all of us. But I don't, I don't poo-poo people taking risk either. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm betting on that every yeah. day now as a VC. <laughs> so, um, but I think I also can appreciate, you know, how deep they're digging sometimes and that, you know, if this goes to zero in the scheme of my fund, I can manage that for that entrepreneur. That might mean particular strain on marriages, yeah. their, their own life, financial situation. And it's no small thing. So one thing I've found, uh, Chandler's, so we've been in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for almost five years now. And one thing that I, like at first it was just like, oh, this is like your cool, like magical internet points that you uh, have. And then like more recently as things have more legitimized and then also as I've pivoted my career to become a, a blockchain engineer, uh, by involving Chandler, her willingness to uh, take the risk with me uh, is really grown. So in your story, you talk about making sure that you both got on the same page and we're kind of like going into like these real estate investments together. Can you tell talk to me about the process about like, what does it look like for the two of you? Is it Sid, you're out scouting the deal and then you come back and you both go looking at it together or, um, you know, how, how have you come together? What does that look like for you? Yeah. There were times where there was less communication and it didn't serve us, even if it especially when it didn't work out. So mm -hmm. we, we once a year we meet with a, an attorney of ours and our accountant who help us do this planning and review in part just to say so I, you know we can reiterate for Ryan especially because I'm in the mix of some of those investments of here's the stuff that exists that that you know we've um, invested in mm -hmm. where it lies you know and all, all these things including kind of will and you know should yeah, yeah. we a plane type of situation. Um, Otherwise, you know, there are, uh, I, I mention everything to, I talk to Ryan about everything, any investment we make. She understands that um, the nature of what I do and, and particularly investing in startups, like there, um, there are occasional opportunities that, that just kind of fall in this broader bucket of, of, of a certain type of investment that we're just okay with and a certain amount of capital. If we ever outreach it, um, then we talk about it mm -hmm. sort of, and there's trade-offs. It's like, do we want to do this or do we want to sort of tuck, you know, capital there? And, and what would you say, right? Is that, is that a right way to characterize it? How do you think of how we make those decisions? Well, in the last couple of years, we've started going on evening walks together, mm -hmm. which has been a really important time for us yeah. to, you know, just hash out all those things, right? Everything happens during your day and the other person's not there. And if you wait till the next day, I don't know, it falls out of yeah. my brain somewhere in my sleep. So it's a chance to dive right in and be like, okay, here are the things I was looking at today. And I'm like, and here are the mac and cheese that I was making today. <laughs> and, you know, whatever we were each doing, we sure. can hash it out. Um, you know, as we're just walking through our neighborhood, 
so I'm aware. Um, so he's aware. And that way, I don't know, we, we seem to just kind of net out on that same page. I mean, as an example, um, Sid gets really excited about new ideas and projects. And so he was super excited about maybe putting a swimming pool in our backyard. Mm -hmm. And I've been really hesitant. And so we have talked about it and then stepped away and then talked about it and stepped away. I don't know, over a couple of weeks now. And we also have kind of our safe people that we both kind of vent to. Uh And so we're hashing out our ideas with our friends, (laughs) um, you know, people who are also fully invested in us and know our way of life and, and what we're committed to. And then we come back together and we're hashing it out again. And, um, we've currently netted out at waiting a couple years to decide because we just could not find a common ground. And I think it's a good example for how it works in our family life and our business, you know, in everything that we've, we've learned to communicate in that way that we need to have a lot of communication and then we need to step away and, you know, ponder it, meditate on it, whatever it is, and then come back together and repeat the process until we find a place where we both feel we're on solid ground. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I like that, right? I think it's, yeah, we've come to rituals with each other. The walk is one of those that, that give us a place to, to, to touch base on different things, you know, related to our kids, related to finances, related to work and home and, um, yeah, that's kind of become the catch-all for when we can do those things. And, and we've got the mountains in the backdrop. It's usually like 6 o'clock at night. It's just a good time to sort of unwind. and yeah, Decompress from the day. Yeah. And kind of reunite. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you love the content and want to hear more, please leave a review on your podcast player and tell your friends. Special thanks to Jed Jones for the intro music. Have a great day.